Thank you so much for joining us here today. As Gary shared, my name's Patrick Williams. I'm the executive pastor here at the church. And I have loved being a part of the New Walk team for the last 11 months, uh, just getting to be a part of this amazing church. Uh, in fact, our first weekend here was just about a year ago. And so it's been really cool because our first big event was Trunk or Treat, and we get to do it again. So we're in for the second one, and we can't wait for that. I have my trunk all planned out. That was a weird phrase to say from the stage. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so as Pastor Gary shared, uh, he is on a much-needed short vacation with his family, and I'm honored and humbled and uh, just excited about the opportunity to be able to share with you today. So thank you so much to Gary. Thank you so much, Newwalk, just for being here uh, and for, for being a part of our series today. So we're in week two of the Jerk Face series, How Not to Be a Jerk Face. And each week, we're looking at our own lives, at the times where we're the, the jerk face, and we're trying to figure out how we can act, how we can love, how we could lift up others like the Bible calls us to, instead of being, for lack of a better word, a, a jerk face. So how many of you could sympathize with me on this one? You come home from a long, hard day at work, and you press that button to open up the garage, and your spot is full of nothing but toys. It's okay. You park the car, you get out, you pick up all your kids' toys, you put them away, and you think to yourself, I'm sure they had a lot of fun today, it's all good. You get back in the car, you pull it in, you park, you grab your stuff, and you walk up to the door, and you just stop for a moment, and you breathe. <sighs> it's okay, I can do this. You, you have a little more composure now. You open the door, and boom, it hits you like a wave. You hear the kids in the distance screaming. The house is just a wreck. Everything is everywhere. And you see your spouse, they're at the kitchen table with their head in their hands, and you know. You know the day they've had but you want to be a good spouse, so you walk up to them, you give them a kiss on the cheek, and you say, honey, how was your day? You know what you're going to get. And then it starts. You wouldn't believe the day I just had. And inside you think this. You don't say it out loud, because we're good human beings, but we think it for maybe just a fleeting second. Sucks to be you. <laughs> And we don't say that, right, but we think it. Has anybody ever experienced a day like that, a few? Is it just me? Uh, today, I want to be honest, and I want to be vulnerable with you. What we're going to talk about today, this is hard for me to talk about because I know I'm not very good at this. I just, I know I'm not. In fact, when we shared this with the Newark staff that I was going to be teaching on this, the entire room burst out laughing at me. <laughs> and I wanted to think, well, maybe we're laughing together, but I wasn't laughing. They were just laughing at me. Bunch of jerk faces, am I right? Now don't get me wrong though, I want to be better at this. I really do. So I loved studying this. I loved trying to figure this out. And I honestly 100% believe that what we're gonna talk about today, it is so important. Not just for me, not just for my family or my friends. This is so important for all of us, for all of humanity to figure this out. So with that, let's, let's pray before we go any farther. farther. Father, I just want to thank you for these hard things. I want to thank you that you challenge me, that you ask me to grow regularly in my faith, and you have pushed me throughout the last month as I've prepared for this. Lord, I pray that for all of us this morning, that your spirit would speak to us. Lord, help us to hear what you need us to hear. Help us to grow. Help us to be challenged. Help us to be bold enough to take those next steps in our own faith journey with you. Amen. So today, I want to sound the alarm. 
We as individuals, we as a society, we are losing one of the things that is essential to our humanity. We're losing it. We live in a culture that is so focused on ourselves. And more and more, we're losing the ability to to talk about, to think about, to be about people other than ourselves. We're so obsessed with number one that we're losing the ability to focus on one another, to serve one another, or to care for one another. American journalist Shaughnessy Farrow, she wrote this recently. She said, if you need an American to do something, don't mention the common good, or teamwork, or caring for others. A new study in psychological science this month found that trying to get Americans to think and act interdependently, to think and act about anyone other than themselves, failed and may have even decreased motivation. That's powerful, and it is not healthy for a culture. So what then is the antidote? If the fight, if the pull is for us to be a self-centered or self-focused culture, what then is the antidote to that? We see Jesus calling us to a different type of life, yet our culture pulls at us to be self-focused. So what then, in, what then is the solution? Well, in one word, it's empathy. It's empathy. So I'm sounding the alarm for empathy today because empathy is essential. It's essential to what it means to be human. And that's the thing that I'm talking about that I wasn't very good at, that I'm not very good at. It's empathy. I want to be, but I've just not always been that. When I'm at home, there are times where I fail to show empathy to my wife or to my children. When people come to me to talk about serious things, things that they're going through, sometimes it's hard for me to show them empathy in those situations. So I've loved learning about this. I've loved putting into practice over the last month the different things we're going to talk about today. And they work. They really do help. But before we go any further, I think we need a baseline of what empathy is. We need to understand what we're talking about when we say the word empathy. And there's no better description, there's no better explanation than Brene Brown gives. She's a research professor in social work, and so we're going to watch a short video from her on what exactly empathy is. So let's watch this together. So what is empathy, and why is it very different than sympathy? Empathy fuels connection. Sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, it's very interesting. Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions, very diverse professions where empathy is relevant and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or, or recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. Recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space when someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, climb down. I know what it's like down here. And you're not alone. Sympathy is... Ooh, it's bad, uh-huh. Uh, no, you want a sandwich? Um, empathy is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice, because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself 
that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least. I had a, yeah. And we do it all the time. Because you know what? Someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful, and we're trying to silver lining it. I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put the silver lining around it. So I had a miscarriage. Oh, at least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. <laughs> John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. It's profound, isn't it? So powerful. Empathy, it's so powerful. And I think it's one of the things that makes us essentially human. <laughs> it is so, so desperately needed. So for our purposes today, I'm going to define empathy as this. Empathy is choosing to listen to people and choosing to feel with people. Empathy is choosing to listen to people and choosing to feel with people. Even when, and I would argue especially when, those people disagree with us. I love Jesus. I don't think that's too much of a shocker. Uh, I love him for a bunch of different reasons. And one of the things I absolutely love about Jesus is that he says a lot of different radical things. Things that are debated throughout culture still today by the society around us. Things like sell all that you have and give it to the poor. Then come follow me. Or how about this one? Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you. Radical things. But there are three words that I feel may have just been the most radical three words Jesus could have ever said. And they come from Matthew 5. Here's what it says. It says, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, and here they are, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that way you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. What he's saying in that last section is that even the jerk face loves those who love them back. But Jesus is calling us to something more. He's calling us to a different way. In fact, I would say we're most like Jesus when we can show empathy to our enemies. And when I say enemies, I'm not specifically talking about people that hate you or people that want to kill you. I'm talking about maybe people that sit on the other side of an issue than you do. I mean, think about it for a second. Think about those on the other side of the political aisle from you. Or maybe those that have a different view or a different stance on a hot topic social issue from today. These, these people, they may be even people in our own families. They may be people we work alongside every day. I am most like Jesus when I can show empathy to those on the other side. 
Because this is what makes us human. This is part of what makes us human. When we can empathize, even in situations where it may be tough, or it may be difficult, or someone holds a different view than we do. There's a scripture that I absolutely love. It's for me one of my go-to scriptures as how we as the church are supposed to live. It's Colossians 3, 12 through 14, and it speaks on so many different things in our life. How do I love my spouse? Colossians 3, 12 through 14. How do I be a better neighbor? Colossians 3, 12 through 14. How do I stop myself from being the jerk face? Colossians 3, 12 through 14. And today I want to read it to you, but I want to read it from a paraphrase of the Bible called The Message. So here we go. So, chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. So what does it say? It says, wear or dress in the wardrobe that God picked out for you. Well, what does that mean? It means that empathy is a choice. We choose empathy. We put it on like we put on clothes. And we can choose it because we've been chosen by God for a life of love. Empathy, it's a choice. And it's a choice that makes you uniquely human. And I believe we're most empathetic, that we're most human when we make two choices in regards to empathy. And the first is when we choose to listen. Colossians 3, it said we need to put on compassion, kindness, and humility. I believe these three, they find a home whenever we can give the gift of genuinely listening to someone else. If you want to know how you could be compassionate, kind, and humble all at the same time, give the gift of simply listening, especially to someone who sees things differently than you do. In fact, I'd go as far as to say to listen is to love. When I listen, I get space to understand what it is that they're talking about or what it is that they're going through. Without listening, we really, we can't love. We can't love if we're not choosing to listen. As a side note today, I think it's important for us all to learn how to be better listeners. And so I want to give us a little listening training. I have three tips for you. They work. I use them all the time. They really do help. So here's the first tip. Number one, listen as an ally. So often, when we are listening to someone as they're sharing something important, it's almost like we're face-to-face -face with them, we're looking them eye-to-eye, -eye, and we're competing against them. You went through that, I went through this. You had this horrible thing happen to you, well, I had this horrible thing happen to me. We're competing with them in that moment. Listening as an ally instead means that we shoulder up. We're shoulder to shoulder that, with that person and we're looking at whatever it is they're going through from their point of view or perspective. So I'm shoulder to shoulder with someone and I can say to them, I see what it is that you're talking about. I understand what you're explaining to me in this moment. We're listening as an ally. The number two tip is that listening is about the gift of presence. Be present and give someone space to process whatever emotion they're going through. I know for me, at least, 
Uh, it is hardest for me to give them space when they show any emotion that involves that clear liquid that forms in your eye area and then streams down your face. When that happens, my natural instinct is to leave a pat-shaped hole in the wall over there like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> but I need to learn how to give space for them, to give them the gift of presence, to allow them to work through that emotion that they're going through. And one of the ways we can do that is our third tip. It's to reflect back an empathy statement to show you're listening. You know you're listening when you can do two things. When you can say, I hear what you, you're saying, I hear what you're saying, and you include the main idea about what they're talking about, and then you include the uh, emotion that they're stating. So when you include those two things, the main point of what they're talking about and the emotion that they're displaying. So here's an example. Uh, this one occasionally happens with my wife. I understand I'm hearing your anger about my missed expectations. So what's the emotion? She's angry. Why? Because I missed her expectations. It only sometimes happen, I swear. I swear, it's not all the time. Here's another one. Uh, maybe someone comes up to you and they're super excited about a new job. And they're so excited about this new job, but they're also maybe really, really, really afraid because there's a big pay cut involved. And so you can say back to them, I hear your excitement about this new job. But maybe I can also sense a little bit of fear in you about that pay cut. So what were the emotions? They're excited and they're afraid. And what was the main point? They got a new job and they might be forced with a pay cut. Listening, it, it works. It can bring clarity. It can help diffuse anger and help to open up the communication. And that example with my wife, I, I'm not perfect, it happens, but when I can say something like that, it starts us onto the path. It lets her know that I'm listening, that I'm there for her, that I'm with her in that. And so I believe that listening, it's one of those things that it embodies what it means to truly be human. And we show empathy when we choose to listen. But it doesn't stop there. We also have to choose to feel with them. We show empathy when we choose to listen and choose to feel with them. Colossians 3, 13, it says that we bear with one another. That could almost be translated as we endure each other. And I love how honest the Bible is. Uh, we read this text, and this text is written to a group of people who have all identified as Jesus followers. And so we would naturally assume that all Jesus followers throughout all of time have always agreed on every single issue that they have ever faced, right? Because we do. No, there are times where we have to endure each other. In our marriages, no matter how much we love our spouse, no matter how great they are, there are times where we have to, and I, I should get this right, there are times where she has to endure me. Because we know I don't endure her. Ever. No, she endures me. It's important. It's so important for us to understand this, to see what's happening. There's some differences in some words here, and I want to make sure we understand them. There's pity there's sympathy, and then there's empathy. And so let's talk about pity. Pity is us really just saying, sucks to be you, glad it's not me. And we don't say that, right? We, we say things like, oh, 
you poor thing. We have no interest or desire in entering in or to talking about what it is that they're going through. All we want to do is say, oh, you poor thing, and we're already moved on to the next thing. But then there's, there's oh, no, okay, here's a good one. I learned a new one. I moved from Michigan to Florida. Bless your heart. <laughs> I found out that that's mostly just pity. Oh, bless your heart, you dumb northerner. You can't do that down here. Uh, that, was, that was another fun one. Those are pity statements. But then there's sympathy. The sim in sympathy, sim means beside. So sympathy is when we're feeling beside someone else. We're beside them in those feelings. We don't have those feelings. We don't even really want to deal with those feelings. But we're beside them while they're feeling that. And then there's empathy. And the M in empathy, M is inside. That's what it means. It means inside. So empathy is when we take their feelings inside of us. Maybe not those exact feelings, but we dig down to a place where maybe we went through something similar or we had the similar emotion and we feel with them in that. I'm feeling with you in what you're going through. But feeling with often means that we have to be vulnerable ourselves. And that can be especially hard. Remember my scenario from the start, we walk into the house and these days they happen in my house. My response to my wife, it matters. You wouldn't believe the day I just had. And there are times where I respond really well. There's times where I respond with empathy. Wow, I can see that today was a struggle. I, I, can, I can feel that you're exhausted. Hey, I'm here now. Do you need to talk about it or can I help? There are times where I respond like that. But I'll be honest, sometimes I come home and she'll say, you'll never believe the day I just had. And my response, I'll look around the house and I'll simply say, I can tell. Maybe that's sympathy. I mean, kind of. But if I'm super honest, there are times where I come home and I, I, I trust that if my wife's here, she's plugging in her ears and she doesn't hear this. But there are times where I come home and sh she'll say, you'll never believe the day I just had. And inside I think it, I don't say it because I like my bed, I don't want to sleep on the couch, but I think to myself, sucks to be you. I got to go to work today, and I get to go to work tomorrow, and you got to deal with this again. I think that. But when I choose empathy, when I choose that right response, it causes me to be vulnerable, but it lets her know that I'm with her in that. I'm with her in whatever it is that she's going through. Tell you what, I think Brene Brown in the video earlier, she's right when she said this. She said, empathy is feeling with people. Rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. And so why are we talking about this in church today? Because the most empathetic person to ever walk this land is Jesus. Jesus, he took on flesh to feel with you. He took on flesh to bear with you, to understand what it means to be human. And this is unique to the story of Jesus. You will not find another deity in any other walk of faith who is willing to enflesh themselves, to limit themselves to the struggle of the people that he created. But Jesus did. And here's how he's depicted in Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, 
but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. And there's a specific story from Jesus' life that I think just, it so clearly communicates the power and the length that God goes to to empathize with you and I. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what it is that you believe about God, but I want you to know that God wants to come to where you are. And he's willing to feel with you. No matter what you're feeling, if you're feeling doubt towards his existence, he's willing to enter into that doubt with you and engage with you in it. He's willing to stand with you in that place simply because he wants to connect with you. And there's a story in the Gospel of Mark that depicts this so powerfully. Jesus, he's approached by a leper, and here's what it says. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and made, and he was made clean. I used to read this story and I was like, wow, Jesus was healed by a leper. That's cool. And I'd move on. But I spent some time digging into this to understand what truly took place in this story. So let me give you some context. This man, he's coming to Jesus and he's imploring him. He is begging Jesus to heal him. Do you know why? The culture for someone with the disease of leprosy was a culture of nothing but separation. This man was separated from everything he knew because of his disease. This man could have had a wife. He could have had children. And he has been separated from them. Could you imagine not being able to feel the touch of your child or ever being able to touch them again? For some of us, that might even be our story. So this disease is one of nothing but separation, of isolation. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe you feel like that today. Completely separated. Disconnected. Like there's something wrong with you. This man, he wants to be healed. But more than that, this man, he wants a connection. And so he begs Jesus to heal him. And what does Jesus do? At his gut level, Jesus, he feels with this man. And the first thing he does, it's not heal him. He reaches out and he touches him. This man hasn't been touched in years. And the first, first touch he felt since he was diagnosed with leprosy was Jesus reaching out and touching him. Jesus didn't have to. I mean, there's a story where Jesus heals 10 lepers and just says, go and be healed, and he just sends them off. But in this case, he touches him. Why? Because I believe he knew what this man desperately needed. It wasn't just the healing. It was the touch, the connection of another human being. I don't know how far you are from God. But Jesus, he embodies the empathy of God. No matter how distant you are, no matter how much you might feel like a leper today, Jesus, he comes to you. 
And he comes to me and he reaches out and he touches us. And here's what I know. You are created in the image of God and that means you can do the exact same thing. You can love people who feel like lepers to you. You can come close to people who you feel like you don't have anything in common with. And it's a power you have because you are a unique human being created in the image of God who enables you to love even when it's difficult to love. And if we become those kinds of people, can you imagine the impact it would have? Not just on our our families, not just on ourselves, but on our community, on this world. Friends, there are times when I choose not to listen. There are times when I choose not to feel with others. But when I choose empathy, I get the gift of connection. And the truth is, no matter how big and bad you are, no matter how much of the time you are a jerk face, you will die without connection. You'll die internally. You'll die emotionally. And the truth is, our society, we are at the risk of a death of connection, the death of relationships. But we're called to love. We're called to be people who love, even when it's difficult. We're called to be people who listen, even when it's hard. And we're called to be people who choose to feel, even though it means we might have to be vulnerable ourselves. This is who we're called to be, and we're empowered to be it through Jesus Christ. So I learned something about reading the Bible. Earlier, we read Colossians 3.12, and it started with, so chosen by God for this new life of love. Well, a simple lesson is, anytime you see the word so or therefore, you need to go back and find out what the there is for. So if we started with uh, Colossians 3.12, so chosen by God, let's go back and see what was written earlier that set this up. And what we find is Colossians 1, 21 through 23. You yourselves are a case study of what he, of what God does. At one time, you all had your backs turned to God. You were thinking rebellious thoughts of him. You were giving him trouble every chance that you got. But now, but now, by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side. You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust. The more that I, the more that I am gripped by the love of Jesus for me, the more it allows me to love you. And the more that you are gripped by how much Jesus loves you, by the depth that he would go to for you, the more that you are enabled to love others as well. We crave connection. And we have Jesus who says, I'm here with you.
I died for you. I want to reach out and I want to touch you in whatever it is that you're going through because I'm gonna listen and I'm gonna feel with you in that. And he has given us the power to respond exactly the same way with empathy, with love, by listening and feeling with someone that needs that connection in their life. Would you pray with me? God, we, we have a choice to make today. We have a choice every day that we have to make. Will we be a people who choose empathy? Will we choose to listen? Will we choose to feel with those in our life? Or will we choose to be the jerk face? Lord, help me. Help all of us to choose empathy, to choose love, which we know comes from you. Help us to rise up, to be a people of empathy in our homes, in our workplaces, in our community. We know that we're all chosen by you for this new life of love. Help each of us to live that out today. And perhaps you realize, you know what, yeah, I've done some bad things. I've done really bad things. I've been that jerk face for so much of my life. I've never once showed empathy to someone else. You feel the weight of your sin, and you wonder, how could I ever stand before God? The reality is, if you stood before God on your own, you wouldn't even qualify for eternal life. That's what the good news is. Not only does Jesus reach out and touch us, he will stand in our place. When we call on him, he'll hear our prayer. He'll forgive every sin, and he'll make us completely brand new. And maybe that's why you're here today, because you know it. You know you have a debt, a sin debt that you cannot repay. And you want to call on Jesus. And I want you to know he will hear your prayer. He'll make you brand new. And you'll never be the same again. And if you're saying, yeah, that's me. I'm ready. I need it. I need his grace. I need his forgiveness. Today I want to turn to him and I want to give my life to him. Then let's make that our prayer together today. I'm going to pray and you can pray with me. And we're going to invite Jesus in. And Jesus, he's going to stand with you. He's going to connect with you in whatever it is that you're going through. So if you're ready, pray with me. Heavenly Father, I'm ready. I need your grace today. I need you, Jesus, to forgive me for my debt. And I'm surrendering my whole life completely to you. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you every day of my life. In Jesus' name I pray.